Hello and welcome to Walnut Grove Cast. My name is Mark and I am on tonight with Susan King. How are you, Susan? I'm fantabulous. How are you, Miss Mark? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I've been doing so many of my other podcasts that doing a Walnut Grove Cast is um, it, it's a relief. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a nice change of pace. Well, it's, there's less there's less research to do um, because it is simply, um, I, I've been kind of doing the research since I was a kid. Right. And um, I enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to this. So the episode that we're, we chose to review tonight for the Walnut Grove, Grove cast heads um, is from 1970 Bombar 6. Yes. Um, the last month of 1976, it, it, this aired on December 6th of 1976. I remember it well. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh. I was three. Um, <laughs> I was about to turn four. No, I was, um, yeah, I was three. Um, I was 15. <laughs> wow. That's not so bad, though. Um, I remember this episode because it is the most testosterone-laden episode that they ever recorded. And this is um, <laughs> The Bully Boys. Yes. And The Bully Boys is um, has a couple controversial scenes. Oh, and, my. <laughs> and without getting too involved in the politics that are going on right now, I think you can see that there are themes in this show that happened in the, in the 19th century. And there are themes that occurred in the books that were written. And um, unfortunately, it seems as though we live in a culture that is just a little too sensitive to realize that um, things like, you know, things that are bad happen in real life. Yes. And they did happen. And um, no matter what we do to erase them or change them or make them make, you know, go away temporarily, they, they will exist um, that will always exist, and they. The fact of the matter is, it's a part of our history, and uh, yes, I just it think is. it's important. And this TV show could not have been made today because a girl gets punched in the face. Exactly. Exactly. The this boy is would need to. Three. The this boy would need. Three. The boy would need to be murdered at the end of this episode yes. if this was made today, and that's a real shame. Um, Absolutely. Because this is the way you show violence on television, and you walk away with a message. So, without further ado, and my lecturing can stop now. Jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, for people that are just like real, I have to know every detail. It is season three. As I said, it is episode nine. And as you said, it was aired December 6th, 1976. Yeah, directed by Victor French this time around. Yes, it absolutely was. Um, I just picture him just being a mess. <laughs> Mad, no, do it again. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was very good at directing. This is a very memorable episode. And um, I say we jump right into it. Let's um, jump with yeah, both feet. I'm following your clips. This is yeah. actually, this is going to be the Susan show. Yeah, this is in show. Da, 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 da. Um, because I am here, although I've seen this episode a hundred thousand times, I am unprepared at this time. So this is all going to be, I, I literally saw this episode three weeks ago. So it's not fresh in my mind, but it's somewhat fresh. Well, but, uh, you know, you know, I'm prepared. I research lumber and dodgeball and marbles and let's go. I want to know, <laughs> I want to know a little bit about the lead crystal that um, Harriet's messing with here. All right. 
course I didn't research that. No, see, there you go. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I see you like the pears. Well, mighty tasty. Mighty tasty. Mm-hmm. They're also not inexpensive. It's 20 cents a pick. Fine. We'll take a bushel. Uh, oh. Oh, my, well, uh, yes. Uh, might I help you with anything else? As a matter of fact, there is. We're going to be moving here to Walnut Grove permanent, and we have been out on the road, and we've used up all our provisions. Oh, well, you've come to the right place. Olson's Mercantile does have the largest selection of supplies in all of Hero Township. I'm Mrs. Olson. Well, pleased to meet you, ma'am. George Gallagher, and uh, that's my brother Sam. How do? How do you do? You wouldn't happen to have these in a nine and a half, would you? Actually... Uh, no, I don't have your size. I do have your size, however, in a much finer shoe. Of course, it is uh, rather expensive. Well, price is no matter. <laughs> oh, well, that's what I always say. It doesn't matter as long as the quality is good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Harriet. Um, now, yeah. he, his shoe size is nine and a half. Well, yeah, he got small guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's so much testosterone in this episode. Yeah, little you know, <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a little bit of uh, like little man syndrome, maybe, right? And, yeah, I like how women feel about men having when they back in the day when Hummers came out, all the women whispered about the men that felt like they had to try. I don't know. I'm here on Long Island. Here on Long Island, though, it was the majority. I mean, everybody who's driving these big SUVs and big what? trucks are women around here. Oh. And they can well, barely see over the steering wheel. Oh, my. And this is not my sexist comment. It is a fact. <laughs> I feel like there should be a law that says you have to be a certain height in order to drive a certain car. Yeah. Um, it's, it's scary when you see people driving cars and they can look. it looks like they can barely see over the steering wheels. Like, like oh. I... I have friends who have really, you know, like um, Escalades and um, what is that car? It's um, it's a BMW something, and it's a really and a Jeep, and they're really high up, and it's like I have to like dive in there, and you know I'm five eleven, so I think I'm just average. Um, that so, is so funny. My daughter's like five foot three, and she drives a great big old Jeep. Now right. I I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's really. Um, it's where I drive like a Subaru Outback, you know, I drive like a lesbian car. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just weird that he, you know, the shoe is um, also kind of effeminate, I thought. God, yeah, well, there you go. It's like and kind of the, patent leather. Um, there are three guys living together, so. <laughs> well, it's his brother, you know, right? I think oh, it's yeah. his brother. Yeah, but they're out in the backwoods. Okay, let's not go there. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> When I when I was watching the credits of this, I was interested why they designated Jeffrey Lewis as a special guest star. His face, the guy that plays Sam, mm -hmm. and his face was really familiar to me. But when I was digging around, it's like this is one of those character actors that has done everything. Bonanza, Gunsmoke, Mission yeah. Impossible, Magnum P.I., Mama's Family, Lou Grant, the list just goes on and on, and uh, he got a Golden Globe nod, believe it or not, in the Alice spinoff with Polly Holiday. Um, yeah, I mean, Flo. I've seen this guy around everywhere. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. just one of those guys who, um, I think I remember him in, oh, 
there, there's another thing I kind of remember him, but I kind of remember him being in Western stuff. Yes, he was in Western stuff. And really, all three of the actors, the guy that plays George Roy Jensen, this man was in Chinatown, was in Soylent Green, was in Dillinger. I mm-hmm. mean, just and then the the young, even the young kid that played Bubba, he was in the Centennial. He was in the Executioner song. I mean, it's just like, wow. I mean, you know, they got some kind of tasty little bits in their uh, in you know, in their history. It's really They're very convincing. They're very convincing in this episode. I mean, there's not a redeemable quality in any one of them. They're just... No, they're a bunch of jerks. Scum. I know. I started nicknaming this episode Ginormous Puds on the Prairie because these guys <laughs> are just jerks. Yeah. They're just horrible. Um, so it brings us to a scene where we're going to talk about um, credit at all since, is that? Or the bill? Well, the bill is just outrageous when you stop and think. One dollar, I was looking it up, even though I know y'all have talked about it in several episodes, but uh, the equivalent of two dollars and 20, I mean, sorry, twenty dollars and 20 cents per dollar. And this bill is sixteen dollars and 75 cents. Right. So we're looking at about, what, three hundred and forty some odd dollars. Right. That's not that bad. Well, I (laughs) Probably not as much as Charles when he when he uh, made some other purchases and some other episodes that he had to pay off. Yeah, but um, so I'm going to play that clip. Seventy-five. Well, that's just fine. You can charge it to our account. Uh, Oh, uh, let me let me see that. uh, I'm uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm afraid my. My wife didn't explain that uh, it is not our policy to extend credit. We saw that coming. Right. Put that on our bill. I'm sorry. George, don't fool around with the glassware. Oh, you've taken lessons from uh, who was, I think both Carrie and Grace both broke something in that mercantile (laughs) at some point. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, this guy was definitely intentionally doing it. Absolutely. Definitely um, a tactic of like, well, if you want your money. Oh, yeah. They're just jerks. Yeah. Um, so they make their way over to, um, well, Bubba, the idiot, gets enrolled in school, um, and everyone's kind of like, eh, what's this guy's deal? Right. Um, and uh, But we make our way over to Hanson's, and Hanson, you're going to think, all right, well, this guy's no fool. <laughs> this guy's been around the block. He's Swedish. He, <laughs> he knows what he's doing, right? Right. Um, so we think. So let's 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 uh, listen to what they have to say. Hi, we're looking to buy some lumber. Are you Mr. Hanson? No, no. My name's Charles Engel. Mr. Hanson, got some customers here. Oh, well, that is what we are in business for. What can I do for you? Sam Gallander's my name. This here is my brother George. We'd uh, like to buy yeah. some lumber. Ah, uh-huh. what do you want to use it for? Well, we've taken that old place across the way. Favorite, put a new roof on and place some stud. Oh, Edward's old place. Well, you need plenty of lumber for that, all right. Well, I'll tell you, a wagon load about, about like that would do it. Uh, I'm sorry, that is already spoke for, Mr. Henderson. Well, he's kind of hoping to get the roof on before it rained. You know, Henderson's not going to start working this place for a couple of weeks. We'll have another load cut by then. Well, uh, we'd be willing to pay a premium for it, say, uh... Two dollars, two dollars more for the wagon load. Oh, no. 
That is not necessary. $18 for Henderson, and it's $18 to you. Well, thank you very much. I'll tell you, though, we don't, we don't have much cash because we were buying a bunch of supplies and stuff, but I do have a banknote that's going to be due by Friday. I just hope it doesn't rain by Friday. Oh, well, Friday would be all right. Uh, we will have it delivered uh, by this afternoon. That's very nice of you. Well, it's nice doing business with you. I hope you like our town. Sucker. Right? <laughs> One born every minute. And I was looking at lumber. I couldn't find any 1860s lumber prices. but Lumber in, now. In, Forget it. Yeah. Back in 1828, it was a dollar per cubic foot. So I was, because I was wondering about that. 18 bucks for that whole, I mean, I know $18 was a lot of money. Well, it all then. depends. It has to do with the type of woods, the cut. Yes. If yes. it's finished. Um, yeah. I mean, they're just. This is just. Well, not just. It's it's lumber that has been. It's probably not even kiln dried or anything like that. Yeah, no, probably they, not. Just just sawed. And of course, because it's season three, I'm not as trusting on their prices as I am for season season one. I always assume they researched everything to the nth degree. But by season three, I'm kind of thinking, eh, they're getting a little. Yeah, they're a little bit loose with their numbers, yeah. Yeah. Um, So what do we do? We find out um, we're going to, like, jump over to in school where Bubba's really kind of meeting a lot of people and um, becoming friends with everyone. Yeah, Nellie. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's about it, yeah. Let me show you how to do this. So essentially the girls are playing and... He steps in, Bubba steps in to show them how dodgeball works. Yeah. And throws basically, I don't even know what kind of ball this is. It's like made out of um, rawhide or something. Um, And throws the ball as hard as he can, apparently, um, at this little girl who gets knocked over. It may as well be the girl who needed the special shoe. It's just a tragic scene. (laughs) You remember that? What was that girl's name? You know, I can't remember. I think she was just. Oh, you're talking about the girl with the uh, with the uh, uneven feet. Yeah, I, I think that was Inga. That but didn't was Kim, she also stutter? Kim, I don't remember. Was, I, they all looked. I know. Did they ever have normal friends? I was laughing about that when I was listening to the Four Eyes podcast that we did. Yeah. And it's true. Every one of their friends, one of them limps, one of them's deaf. You yeah. know, the episode where the deaf guy fell in love with Laura when she was Melissa Gilbert was actually filming the Miracle Worker, and so that's why they created that episode for her, I guess, so she could practice finger spelling. Yeah. And, I mean, but they never had a, a quote unquote, no, every one of their special needs friends. So that Charles could come in and, uh, you know, and do his, 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 <laughs> you know, this is where I bring thing. in, this is where I bring in another one of my podcasts into the conversation. Um, <laughs> recently I interviewed this woman, uh, Rebecca Pittman and she, um, she goes and she writes these really amazing books about history. And she wrote a book about the Stanley hotel, which was um, the place that the shining was based on. Right. And um, she's actually was hired by the shining to help restore it and um, paint it and bring it back to it's not to its beauty. Um, she also did this remarkable book about Lizzie Borden. Oh, wow. And I wanted to ask you, do you, do you recall Lizzie Borden being brought up at all? In Little House in the Universe? No. Right. No, I didn't. Not at all. Just I'm kind of curious. It would have been an interesting thing for them to, like, sing the Lizzie Borden song or 
something like that. Yeah, it really would have been interesting. And actually, there's a story closer than what we'd like to believe. And it's been so long since I've listened to it. I don't remember the details, but there, there's a podcast that every once in a while I peek at that is about um, serial killers in history or something. And there were all these people being murdered on this farm and it was right next to where the Ingalls lived and Charles Ingalls was one of the people that went over there and discovered the bodies. Wow, if you could pass if you could look that up and pass it along to me. Yeah, I will. I'll I will because I was just at the very because my girlfriend Gina said, Girl, you gotta listen to this podcast and I'm like, you know, I'm not about murder podcasts and she was like, but just listen to it until the very, very end. And right at the very end they say. Hmm. And one of the neighbor, the local neighbors came over to help and he was none other than Charles, you know, Philip Ingalls, the father of Laura Ingalls Water. And I was like, what? Wow, that's pretty interesting. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. It was a woman, I think. It was a woman that was luring men onto her farm. And then, or a whole, no, it was a whole family of serial killers that was, that was luring people onto their property and, and then putting, killing them. Killing were they them putting the them in table. the, were they putting them in the cellar and then I, saying, yeah, where's I my so. Ellen? <laughs> they Jeez. would sit them down at the dinner table and there was a curtain, a curtained <clears throat> off place right behind the chair at the dinner table. And they'd hit them over the head and kill them right at the dinner table. It's well, funny. But any, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Charles Ingalls was one of the people that went on that farm and helped them remove the bodies. So there's all kinds of stuff That's on interesting. that Laura didn't tell us about. But yeah, I'll look it up for you. Um, but if anybody wants to listen to the podcast I did with Rebecca Pittman, if you just go to ontheodd.com, um, com, I'll just put a link to it in the show notes, but it's on the odd. But uh, yeah, it was a really great conversation with her, and she's just such a knowledgeable cool. person. She shared all of her paranormal experiences that she had in these places. Oh, wow. And she's one of these people who you get a good vibe from, and you don't, you kind of realize she's not making up any of this. Right. It's really interesting. Right. Anyway, wow. <laughs> I'll have to listen to that. Well, you know, we were talking about dodgeball and the way that Bubba plays is really the way that dodgeball was originally played. It originated in Africa over 200 years ago, but it wasn't a fun game. It was like a to the death game where <laughs> they played it with rocks, large, like large rocks and petrified, really hard mm -hmm. stuff. And then this missionary, his name was James Carlisle. He was on his way back from England, and he witnessed this, and he brought it back to, in 1884, at St. Mary's College, and changed the rocks into balls, and then eventually they had a big, um, had, they had some colleagues from Yale that came and played with them, and then what I found, the reason why I researched this is because they're, the kids are talking about the rules of dodgeball in this episode and actually according to the research i did there were no official rules to dodgeball until 1905 so i guess they had their own rules but the the real real rules of dodgeball and it being a big thing you know didn't they kick still up play the dodgeball yeah, yes they, yeah so it's kind of interesting I, with when i was a kid it was a big scary game i think it still is yeah <laughs> I agree. I agree. I don't but, like it. I but now like back to the show. Yes. <laughs> you know? Okay. I was about to say, he hit her so hard that she's passed out. She's right? dead. She's flat, flat on the ground. But what is Other that? Like, she, rib, is she dead? Like, I don't rib, get it. <laughs> Ribbons flying. She's just dead. 
That's no fair. You have to bounce the ball first. What's it to you, Pee-wee? That's the rule. You could hurt someone. You play a sissy game. If it's such a sissy game, what do you want to play for? Give me the ball. Did you hear Laura Flubber line? <laughs> she called it a sissy. If it's game. such a sissy line, I'd hit her too. No. She's like speckled with all the testosterone flying around. And here comes Mary showboating. Laura! Laura, stop it! Stop it! My fault! You wouldn't get away with that if the bigger boys were here. He throws too hard, Mary. Stop he it. hurt Cindy. Bubba, you're older and bigger. That's why we have rules, so the little kids don't get hurt. Well, that's my rule. Saved by the bell. And that's how Mary went blind. She was punched <laughs> in the face. <laughs> I mean, it's true. No, it's not true. But it, it's a sad situation when... Um, with these bully things. I believe all the big boys are um, harvesting. Is that why they're not there? Yeah, I think that's, I think Miss Beetle said to him when Bubba was enrolled in school, you know, you'll like it better in a little while when the boys come, the big boys come back, the older boys come back from harvesting. So, yeah. yeah. So um, we find out that Nellie and Bubba have a lot in common. They're both jerks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we also find out that Hanson discovers that the Gallanders have sold their lumber. Sold right. the lumber that the eighteen dollars worth of lumber, um, you know, they just up and sold they sold them. it to the guy that Hanson was going to sell it to for three dollars less. Right, and people will say, "Well, why would they sell it at a loss?" Um, and I think it's because the Gallanders are basically not going to pay anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the truth of the matter. Um, so here's Charles and and um, Caroline. Talking about the Gallanders behind their back, behind closed doors. All right. Uh, you know, I'll try to, you know, try to be mean <laughs> about it. But. Well, I thought she was going to have Nels go out and take a shotgun to those Gallanders. Yeah. Could be the first time that woman and I ever saw that eye. Well, she wasn't the only one. Seems they got a side of beef from the Mortons and hay and feed from the Stevens. All on credit. Sounds like the same thing they pulled on Hanson. They ask me, the sooner the Gallagher's get their head knocked together, the better off this town's going to be. Charles, that sounds awfully harsh. I wouldn't be so sure they're gentle folk. Well, when they get to know people better. A fella could go broke getting to know the Gallagher's. Good night. Good night. Caroline always um, expects people to grow out of their poor behavior. Yeah, you get she that? does. It's very but, difficult for her to come to grips that maybe this is just the way people are. Right, that they're just jerks. And what I find interesting about it is dial all the way back to the first episode of Little House on the Prairie. Did Charles not What show? I'm sorry. Episode? What was the name of the show? Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that particular Stop. show. <laughs> Wasn't Charles not walking through town going, I don't have any money. 
<clears throat> but I can pledge you my crop. I don't have any money, but I need a plow. I don't have any money, but I need some seeds. So but he didn't. Though... But the difference really is, <laughs> you know, he didn't take any credit though. I know. Come on. I know. I'm just being a pistol, but well, it's just kind of like y'all don't even know the Gallagher Gallanders. I keep wanting to call them Gallagher. Um, y'all don't even know the Gallanders really, and yeah, they seem kind of rotten. And we, all, of course, we know they're rotten, but in a very foundational way, mm. he, they're getting stuff on credit. Just like you remember when y'all were talking about Charles getting all PO'd at the Olsons cause they wouldn't, they wouldn't extend him any credit. And he just has this attitude of, I understand. And walks, and walks, right. walks out, you know, walks out of the mercantile, but I know it's a different thing, but you know, he was still looking for something for not nothing, but, pledging something down the road. So anyway, now here we have Laura and Willie <laughs> playing marbles mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Do you remember how marbles is played? I think you draw a circle. Yes. And then you have to knock each other's marble out of the circle. And yeah, if you I'm knock not- it out, you get to right. keep the marble. Yes. Um, that is, that's the traditional way. To I don't play. think I ever played it ever. <laughs> like, I, I've owned marbles. I don't, I don't think, think I ever I, played it. Yeah, I don't think I I don't I don't think I ever did either. We played Jacks was big back in the day when mm-hmm. I was a kid. We played onesies, twosies, threesies, whatever, <clears throat> and try to pick them all up. But um, I don't think I ever played marbles either. And and I was curious if marbles were really around then. And yes, uh, the ceramic oh, yeah. marbles started. Well, they started being mass produced in the eighteen seventies. From my research, um, originally started in Germany uh, in 1846, mm. and they mass-produced clay marbles in Akron, Ohio, in the early 1890s. Um, and some of the first glass ones were also made in Akron. Um, but Germany um, is supposedly where they started, but mass production in the 1870s. So, yeah. That's really interesting. I have a friend. Um, I'm looking up his thing because I feel like plugging it. Um, he's a glass blower. He does, oh. um, but he he's a serious glass blower. He does like some serious stuff. Um, he does classes for corning and. Um, oh wow! Yeah, he he's very very talented. And he, he's a genuine um, artist. And if you were to visit, his name is Noah Drew. And he has a thing on Facebook, no, no be wands glass hut. Oh, wow. um, and I'll Love put a link it. to it. it, but he is really, really absolutely beautiful marbles that he makes. And these are not cheap. You know, these are things sure not. because the way you get a lot of these colors is by vaporizing gold and by using precious metals. Um, yes. So, yeah, so it, it's, they're not, they're pricey, but they're certainly worth it. They're beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love blown glass. It's just yeah. I love to I love to watch people do it. It's just like wow. It's just. Yeah. I used to watch him do it when he was just doing it in his bedroom with a Cetaline torch. Oh my gosh! And I still can't believe that his house didn't burn down. Bizarre. Wow. But um, all right. Here's the clip. That's it for you, Willie. I'm gonna win them all now. That's no fair. You're hunching. I am not. No hunches and knuckles down. That's what we said. She was hunching. <laughs> she was. She absolutely was. No hunches, no knuckies. Knuck- <laughs> You're just mad because That's I'm right. winning. Well, 
Laura Ingalls is trying to cheat my brother again. Oh. Well, maybe I better get in this game. <coughs> you can't. It's too late. We're almost finished. Looks like to me you're all through. You ain't got no marbles left. Get your foot off. Those are my marbles. <laughs> I don't see no marbles. Do you, Nellie? I should say not. Part of them are mine. Hush, Willie. Get your foot off. Make me. All right. You ask for it. Laura! Laura, he'll only knock you down again. Your sister knows. Better listen to her. Swing now, Bubba. <clears throat> oh, Lord. Well, and we skipped over it, of course, but, you know, Mary's got a great big old shiner on her because of Bubba just, boom, popping her one. And it's so, you know, in the other podcasts, I've talked about how Mary rarely lies. She's really out of character in this episode. I guess when confronted with evil, she's just, you know, <clears throat> showing her stuff because when her and Laura are walking home and she's just like, I'm not telling mom and dad, I'm lying. You know, I'm just flat out not going to tell them. And she just, normally that's not Mary at all. She was always so, I mean, she's a little, you know, ballsy in this episode. And her character, when you think about it, some of the other episodes where you're always talking about her being mouthy, that she does kind she of. She is mouthy. Yeah, she starts kind of. You know, I mean, I'm glad in this episode because Bubba's such a jerk. But, um, yeah, it's like she's going to lie to mom and pa. She's not going to tell them about the black eye. And, you know, she just, she doesn't care. She doesn't want to. And really, I guess she's trying not not to stir up any more trouble. But um, kind of out of character for her. Well, you don't have to worry too much about the um, calendars because, as we like to say, the S is about to hit the fan. Yes, it is. Because, yes, it in spades. You know what? I'm going to let the um, <laughs> clip just speak for itself. Those wouldn't be fresh eggs in that basket, would they? Yes, they are. Hold on. Call me. All I want to do is look at them eggs. Now, I expect us to buy them if we don't check them out first. They're not for sale. Well, now, how about that, Sam? Lady brings these eggs all the way into town. She don't want to sell them. Don't hardly seem right to me. Now, I asked you to let go of me. Now, please. <laughs> Look what you've done. That's too bad. Look at that. It wouldn't be gentlemanlike of me if I didn't help you clean it up. Here, let me give you. Leave me alone. Let me give you. Now, don't be. Take your hands off me. Oh. I kind of like these guys. Um, no. Even as a kid, like, I was looking at this, and it's like, holy crap, what's with these two creeps? The hands are all over her face. Oh, my God, they're manhandling Carol. Holy cow. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah, it was, like, really bizarre that, um, very, very creepy. Well, it is creepy, and I think what creeped me out the most is that, of course, she starts running, but. The next scene, it's just like, man, Charles is pulling up in the crate. And he's like, I mean, in the crate. Charles is pulling up in the buggy. And he's like, hey, Carolyn, Carolyn. I mean, she's so freaked. That is her husband, that man that she adores. And she is still peeling for the house. She's just like, I need to get into the safety of my house. Right. You, know, you would think she would have gone running to Charles. But she's just, 
you know she hears him and she just keeps on going. She is just freaked out. And I don't recall the music change here, but I'm going to guess that um, the music gets that super duper dun dun dun, you know, like crazy, right. and you hear the wagon wheels. <laughs> right. Because you can't burn out or anything on a wagon wheel, so you have to just turn up the volume on the um, the gravel. Yes. Also, I noticed they're showing the ground a lot more in this episode, and it's all sand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. sandy, it's ridiculous. I guess they came in with sand trucks, and uh, I don't know. I know. I'd say, I, I notice it when when it's not mowed. Like, of course, when they came back from um, Dakota Territory, you know, they had to have a bunch of weeds and stuff that they had to clear, but sometimes it's not clear. It's like there's stuff growing, yeah. big old, you know, big old weeds and stuff, and it's like, mow that lawn. Go get your lawn mowed Exactly. <laughs> so here's where, um, well, here's where the rest happens. What's the matter? Come on, what's the matter? What's wrong with your skirt? Oh, it's all right, Charles. I'm just fine. You're crying. You're not just fine. What's wrong? I broke the eggs. Oh, my God. All right, you broke the eggs. You're not this upset over the eggs. What happened? It was my fault, Charles. If I just sold them the eggs like they wanted me. You mean the gallons? It was an accident. A simple accident. What happened? Oh, Charles. They stopped me. I didn't know what to do. Why don't you just keep walking? I couldn't. Just put their hands on you. You answer me. They put their hands on you. So when he grabs her head, I was like, hey, it's a show. (laughs) It's a a TV show. (laughs) Relax. Holy cow. <laughs> Gonna give her whiplash. Yeah, he's <clears throat> he is <clears throat> he's mad. <clears throat> pardon me. He's mad a lot in this episode. And what what I love about it is the is the um the tension between him and Reverend Alden because Reverend Alden's being a reverend, he's just like, Oh, turn you know, the other cheek and be the, the better man, cheek. and all that, yeah, junk. and yeah, and uh, and, and he's know. trying to, in all fairness, the entire community is trying their best to deal with yes, these people in are. a very civilized manner, and sometimes you just can't do that, and that's right, and that's when you have to, you know, put on. The brass knuckles <laughs> and, and, and make a visit. It was good to see you. This isn't a social call, Eleanor. Huh. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. We're just going to go in and sit down a spell. This is first mistake right here. They are setting him up. I want to know which one of you put your hands on my wife today. Was that Mrs. Ingalls? You're a lucky man. She's a mighty handsome woman. It's a compliment. Soft, too. 
Real soft, you said. Oh, let's see. I guess we can. It's yeah. all just sound effects. I'm, I'm like watching it, like I'm watching TV. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a very, it's like, very oh. good episode. I mean, a very good scene. And um, the problem is, is that they basically beat up Charles. Beat the snot out of him. Yes. Um, and he. It's and so what scary. happened? It's so scary when George just kicks open that door and he's got that big old stick or whatever in his hand. You're just like, oh, it's two against one. This is not going to be good. Right. Um, you know what? I want to get to that real quick so I can get a screenshot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. <clears throat> yeah. And Charles is beating the, you know, yeah, oh, beating this guy really good. good. So yeah, and then we go to Victor French walking by, and um, Charles I guess, Buggy is running out of control with nobody at the helm. It's just the horses blindly running. And it's like, who does that? Like, you know, what, what's wrong with these people? We're just so, going to throw you in your buggy and just let it take you to Mankato, I guess. So what happens when Charles gets beat up and he gets a broken rib? What's the first <laughs> thing that we need to get off of him? His shirt. <laughs> this is a man. His ribs are broken again. <laughs> this is a man who is just like my son. He's always just, you know, I mean, my son is 110% of the time in his underwear, you know, oh and that's it. You know, he's, you know, it's. That's such a great age. I miss yeah. that. I miss that. Mine are all grown and married yeah. and whatever. It's such a great today, age. Today, he's just like reading a book and he's like, I'm in the corner of the couch and he's just completely. Well, yeah. take a picture of him in his underwear. You can humiliate oh, him as his fiance in the future. Nah. You know? it, it'll, it'll never work. <laughs> he's proud. He does dances. He's um, he's he's into I, it. He's precious. He's just he's the perfect. He just every time I see pictures of him on Facebook, it's like oh my gosh, he he is. He's just a doppelhanger for both you and your bride. I yeah, just, he, he is. Just he's precious. He's a good kid. Um, and his. Actually, today was the first official day of the school break because uh, I don't count the oh, weekend, wow. you know. But uh, he already had oh, sleepover wow. with his friends. Oh, so that's good. It's so this precious. is the party central because we let them do whatever they want and we just right. fill the refrigerator with junk food. And yeah. we get whatever, we find out what allergies these kids have and we avoid all that stuff. And because <laughs> every kid seems to have allergies nowadays. And Yes. No um, peanuts in the house. No peanuts in the house. Oh, we yeah, keep peanuts. We, we don't have kids who... If you have a peanut allergy, we're not going to be friends with you. Right. There you go. No offense. You have to have, have, to have some boundaries. But, like, his friend is... um, <laughs> His friend Bobby is um, lactose intolerant. So oh. so we get chocolate almond milk. You know? Well, there you go. That's the same thing. So, all right. So we have Reverend... Not Reverend Alden. We have um, Doc Baker 
wrapping gauze around him. You know, gauze isn't cheap, Charles. Right, yeah. He's I want you to stay in bed. Fortune. At least until Sunday, Charles. You've got three busted ribs there. Of course. Yeah. I'm glad to give you three more to work on if I just one. You said something, Charles. Don't go up against roughnecks like them without a two-by-four. All right. He just got his butt licked, right? Not literally, right? but... So who's going to answer the door? That would be door? a different show. <laughs> yeah. We have three grown men, one who's injured, and somebody comes knocking at the door. Who answers the door? Caroline. I don't get it. Well, I don't Because um, Charles can't. Yeah, well, yeah I guess. It just seems kind of weird. The house. But, um, uh, you know, I'm going to let this actually, this scene kind of transition. Reverend Alden, come here. Dr. Baker, is he all right? Reverend, he's hurt, but he'll mend. Charles, I'm so sorry this happened. Well, maybe it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't butted in on Sunday. Oh. You jerk. I don't know what Take you your mean. damn book with you. <laughs> I mean, all your soft words, they didn't work with the calendars, did they? Well, Charles, faced with violence, they reacted with violence. What do you expect Charles to do when a man's wife can't walk down the street safe from that pair? Oh, Carol, in that incident, is there any chance you might have misinterpreted the calendar's intention? Oh, no. That's a very good point. <laughs> oh, I just want to smack Reverend Alden. I always love him, but this time around, I just want to like, seriously? Well, Come on, they were manhandling her. He's the epitome of, um, ugh, I'm getting too political on the show. He's the epitome of the, <laughs> the modern, um, bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> and that's I, not necessarily, that's not a bad word. You know, I'm not saying that being a liberal no. is a bad thing. I'm just saying. I always, I always joke in this episode, I lose my Christianity <laughs> in this episode. I'm just, I'm just wanting to pop him. Can't wait for the end. Love it. Well, sometimes. <laughs> That's but that's the thing is sometimes humanity gets in the way of our beliefs and we have to yeah. deal with them in um in a physical manner and that's yeah sometimes we do this is the evidence of it come on Reverend those two are no good today is just a sample well Charles you can't fairly judge the calendars unless you know their situation here we go again huh Reverend just like on Sunday be strong be charitable turn the other cheek Charles believe me don't start telling me there's good in all people no. I'm sorry, but so help me. Charles, I cannot approve of what you did. Well, who's asking for your approval? <laughs> we don't have anything else to talk about, do we, Reverend? Oh. He's like, you're not even going to invite me in for dessert? Nope. <laughs> no brownies, nothing. But a, t- not a tuna bite. sandwich, something? <laughs> for the road? No, I mean. No, no Carolyn's pie for you. Yeah. It's a tough thing um, to be a religious person and to, to carry these um, these deep levels of faith. You know what? You know what? It's really hard to be is a good guy. You know, um, that's one thing that I think that the world has um, a lot of, and that's you know always trying to do the right thing and always being the good guy. It's it's very difficult. Yeah. It's very, it is very difficult. Believe it or not, with the training that I'm doing at my work, it's called TIC, which is trauma and care training. And I have been side by, without going real deep, I've just side by side, believe it or not, I have been studying a lot about the ministry of Fred Rogers. 
And even for his children, he had two boys, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers, never. Yeah. And he had two sons. And even his one son was like, you know, the bad seed, the difficult son. And his son was quoted as saying, it was really difficult on me having Fred Christ the second Rogers as my father. He was kind of a rebellious kid and he really found that gentle speak of a father and caring about his feelings and whatever. He was just kind of wired a different way and it was really difficult on him. But yeah, I just, I cannot, I struggle with that every day in the Mm -hmm. people that I deal with at work of always being a good listener, always being patient, loving, understanding when, you know, people just keep doing the same silly stuff over and over again. And I think it's manic. I think it's a little manic the way people are turning to, um, Fred Rogers as this perfect individual. Well, and he wasn't perfect, but of course it's, you know, the, it's real heightened right now because of the documentary that was just released on him. I know I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I'm dying to see it. It seems as though it's a little bit of native advertising, which, um, is one of these weird things where it's kind of, you know, they approach like news networks to do pieces and they pay for it. You know, it's kind of like when you're watching, you know, the view or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, they're all like, Oh, you know, um, last night I was, um, looking for iced tea and I decided, you know what? I haven't had a Snapple in a while, you know, and they, they put it into a natural discussion, but Snapple paid for that. Right. Um, and I yeah. feel like that's happening a lot with this documentary for some reason. Um, because- yeah, it it kind of is. But bottom line, I just remember that, you know, that Fred Rogers just really believed in children, that children were people as much as adults were and that their feelings mattered as much as adults feelings. And to be honest with kids. And that's, you know, that's what I found that I really loved about him, that he did talk about hard topics, divorce and death and things that parents were uncomfortable, you know, talking about. And that probably, I think the most interesting thing that I read about him is that he considered the space between the television set and the viewer, what he called it was holy ground. And he told the story of this woman that had written him a letter that had been sexually abused as a child. And when she was a little child and she was going through that, she had a little room that she could go in and watch him. And he said that space between her and the television set for him, that was holy, holy ground, even though nobody likes to really think about the fact that he was a Presbyterian minister because he wasn't a Bible thumper. He didn't preach Jesus on his show. He was just this really gentle, loving person that was a safe haven for, you know, for a lot of kids. But anyway, how difficult would it be to be that 24 hours a day, seven days a week? I mean, he wasn't. He struggled with depression and a lot of other, you know, things. But, you know, I totally agree with you. It's just sometimes when evil is in the midst of it, as we will soon come to learn, that you just got to, you know, take it by the throat and get it the heck away from you. So Reverend Alden goes to the um, Gallander, Gallander, yeah, Gallander's house, yep. yep, and finds out what is wrong, what happened to the mother, which is yes. Like, and um, do you want to tell that story a little bit? Well, yeah, because um, when when the Gallanders first started messing over the town, Reverend Alden went there and said, you know, hey, you're kind of you're taking advantage. I mean, he was very gentle about it, but he was like, you know, it's kind of looking like you're messing people over and. 
And, you know, they tried to explain it away. And he was like, well, okay, I'll take that story at face value. But what about you selling the lumber out from under Mr. Hansen? And they said, oh, we got word that Bubba's mother was very ill and we had to send money to help. And so in desperation, we sold that lumber to the other guy for 15 bucks so that we could send some money to right. help the sick mother. And so that's that's what Reverend Alden meant when he said, if you don't know their circumstance, mm-hmm. and, and of course it's all just a bunch of bunk, as the Reverend's fixing to find out. Uh, yeah, should I play that clip or? Yeah, you can play. Yeah, I play it. I would play it. All right. Why not? Um, why did I just lose that clip? I don't know. Oh, I see. Jeopardy music. (laughs) They ain't heard nothing from her in years. How'd you know about her anyway? Well, they told me. Did? Don't often to do that. Ain't proud of the way she took off with that drummer. Drummer? Yeah, right after I was born. Left to note she's headed for California. John Bond. No way to tell, though. (laughs) Ain't heard from her since. I'm sorry, it was my mistake. What kind of drummer? What, a drummer in a circus? I know! I thought that was the weirdest thing in the script. She ran off with you a drummer. You could have come That's up like with anything. Right? A gambler. A, um... <laughs> yeah. That's a like drummer. 1968 Woodstock. She ran off with a drummer. Or somebody who put things in drums, maybe, right. and sealed yeah. them? I don't know. <laughs> no, I thought that was really bad writing. She ran off with that drummer. So yeah, wow. it's a drummer. Um, I guess I'd be mad too. I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm hearing Hendrix in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's up with the drummer. It's like Mickey Hart, you know, from The Grateful Dead is my stepdad. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so mom was not sick. Next they day, they haven't seen oh, her since Bubba's little. So next day, Bubba goes to school. Put a lot of thought in that name, Bubba. Bubba. And um, it's pretty much business as usual, for the most part. Right. Well, look what I found. Put that back. That's not yours, Bubba Calendar. Oh, finders keepers. Losers weepers. It's true. That's my tablet, Bubba. I don't see your name on it. I saw him find it. My name's right on the front. Now give it back. You saying I can't read? I'm just saying that you're not going to bully me or any other girl around here anymore. That goes for me, too. There comes a time when people have to stand up for what's right. Darn right, Mary. We're not backing down to you anymore. Well, you first better go talk to your papa, because if you remember, my brothers taught him real good how to belly crawl. What'd you have in that pail? Some of Mama's um, cornbread? Something. I don't know if you got Jeez. Ellie Mae Clampett's, Clampett's concrete biscuits, man. Yeah. She wallets <laughs> them. It's like, you upset I... my mama, and she made this crappy bread. 
that's <laughs> she wallops him a good one, man. So and then we can't show it. Oh, that was great. Well, I'm taking oh. screenshots, but Laura goes in and just basically grabs him in the midriff and tackles him. And... <laughs> the girls are all looking. Essentially what happens is he regains control of the fight, but all the girls decide to gang up on him. Exactly. That's not the first time they've done that. They've done that. They did that with the kid in the werewolf of Walnut Grove episode. The, yeah. the big kid that looked like an adult. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they did. It's just everybody just. Ah! Um, Little vicious kids, but he deserved it. So we start seeing probably what happens very often with the Gallanders is the entire town turns their back on them and they start yep. like fighting back. Um, so what we're going to do is get to church now, which seems like a weird place to be for them. Yeah. Um, but here we go. With your indulgence, I would like to dispense with a hymn and go directly to my subject this morning. No music. Nothing. Heaven and hell. Sometimes we forget in our contemplation of our reward in heaven that there even is a hell. But we might do well this morning to remember that hell has a purpose too. And the devil doesn't sit down there all by himself. Preach, Reb. Preach. <laughs> now, I've told you that there's good in all people. But that doesn't mean that all people lead good lives. There are those who lie, who steal. To abuse those around them. Last week, I told you that it was noble and courageous to turn the other cheek. Well, that's true. But this week, one of you reminded me that there are times when the devil is in our midst, that no endurance. No nobility will defend us against those who do his bidding. Reverend, all that talk about the devil, you wouldn't be slurring me and my brothers, would you? More than that. It's strange that it took the children of this town to teach us the lesson. We are a town... We're a community. We're a congregation. And no man should have to stand alone against those who do the devil's work. What are you planning to do, preacher? I intend to see you out of this church and out of this community. <laughs> That's pretty hard words, but it looks to me like you're still standing pretty much alone. Oops. Am I? Get him, Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll, we'll be out of here by nightfall. You'll go now. And you'll take only those things you brought with you. 
Maybe All next right. time you'll think twice before you take advantage of decent people. Tell them we'll do it, Sam. We'll do it. All right. And, yeah, and that's interesting. Charles is still sitting down. He didn't jump up. Uh, well, <laughs> At you least know, he's ribs. got his shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's got his shirt on. Well, it is church. Um, <laughs> so in, a, yeah, in kind I of a that. very strange um, ending of the episode, we we um, we see them marching them out of town. Something you cannot do now, actually. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty illegal. To evict somebody without any notice, but um Kind of an interesting episode. Well, <laughs> it is an interesting episode. And the interesting thing about Onward Christian Soldiers, I wanted to research that too, is actually this was kind of a new little ditty, if you will, because it was written, the lyrics were written in 1865 by, um, uh, actually, Liza Jane talks about this in the Werewolf episode. Sabine Baring Gould wrote the lyrics, and then the music was written by Arthur Sullivan in 1871. So oh, this is. Yeah, so Onward Christian Soldier, 19th century English hymn, and uh, and that was a pretty that was a pretty new ditty. I mean, they sing it a lot in Little House <clears throat> over all the episodes, but um, according to the years when it was actually written, it was a pretty new little new little up and coming tune. That's great. <laughs> well, the top forty. <laughs> well, at least a pop hit. Yeah. yeah there you go. There um, you go. <laughs> Well, well, Susan, thank you very much for getting together um, and taking the time to do this episode. Um, visit us at vhsrewind.com and click on the Wanna Grove cast um, button or something, and you can download all of our episodes. And, uh, yeah, Share so, our love of Little House. So until next time, I'll speak to you next time. <laughs> It's free.